0: Turning the page now, Colossians the second chapter, verses 1 and 2. Colossians the second chapter, verses 1 and 2. Give me the King James version for this part, passage of scripture, Keisha, and then after that we'll be in New Living Translation. But just give me the King James for Colossians 2, 1 and 2. Amen. Amen. The Word of God reads, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the fullness or the full assurance of understanding and to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Amen. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. And unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father, end of Christ. I want to speak to you today from the title, Long Distance Praying. Long Distance Praying. Long Distance Praying. Paul is in jail when he writes this letter to the Colossians. Amen. They are a church that is growing and developing. They are new God has done a mighty work. And Paul is concerned for this church. Amen. Get me Acts, the 19th chapter, verse 8 and 1. I just want to, let's go 8 through 11. No, 8 through 10, 8 through 10. 8 through 10 should be fine. I just want to kind of give you a snapshot of A little bit of a review of where we are with this Colossians church. Just to kind of show you how it came about. The Word of God reads, Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message, and publicly speaking against the ways. Publicly speaking against Christianity while Paul was preaching. Amen. So Paul, this was his pattern. He left the synagogue of his beloved Jews and took the believers that did hear the message, that did believe the message, along with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. That was a person that they believed. A lot of scholars believed owned a building, not a synagogue but a lecture hall where people would come and debate and hear the greatest and latest, you know, philosophy. So Paul is no longer in the synagogue. He leaves his Jewish brothers and sisters, and they pretty much kick him out and go against him. And then he ends up going, okay, I'm going to go down the street to Tyrannus' club or (laughs) house. And and what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to the people that can hear me. Amen. And so in this place, the verse 10 says, this went on for the next two years. So he's kicked out of where he wants to speak, but he's in this interesting building, not quite the building he wants to be in. Amen. And he is having discussions at a lecture hall. It's going on for two years. And so that people throughout the province of Asia, very key word. Paul was told not to go into Asia interesting. The interesting thing is is that in this particular town, folks from Asia were there, both Jews and Greeks. And what ends up happening? It says, they heard the word of the Lord. Now, it's believed that at this time, a man named Epaphras from the city of Colossae was there, and he heard In this two-year span, teaching at this building that was not a synagogue, he hears the gospel. He gets saved. Remember? And now turn to Colossians 1 and 1, King James Version. He gets saved, and he ends up starting a church in the city of Colossae. Amen? He starts preaching and evangelizing, and folks start coming. Amen? And it says here, verse 1, chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. There's no argument here from Paul, according to Epaphras, that a work of God has actually started. Amen? So he calls them saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, same Uh, Chapter, same uh, version. Skip down to verse number 7. Amen. As you also learn from Epaphras, um, our dear fellow servant, who is your faithful minister of Christ. Verse 8. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Amen. And then verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, since we heard this good news that a pastor got saved, went back to preach the good news to the people there. But he's no Timothy. He hasn't had a lot of time with Paul. He just visits with Paul. He heard the message. He comes back and tells Paul what's going on in this church. Amen? He's got somewhat of an abbreviated training from Paul. Amen? Not like he's been trained and groomed for years. He gets saved. He leaves. Starts a church. Starts preaching the gospel. People get saved, and then he comes back to Paul and says, "Listen, God is doing the work in the city of Colossae, and I'm, I know I don't know everything that you know, but I'm telling you what God is doing." Amen. So, nevertheless, even though he does not have that, you know, year by year training sitting under Paul, what ends up happening is there is a great work. And now that the church in Colossians he says, listen, Paul says, We heard of your love in the spirit. Uh-huh. We heard that you, you know, from a faithful minister, someone we trust and we know that God is doing something. And and listen, since that time, verse 9 says, We don't cease to pray for you and desire that you may be filled that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So this gives us a snapshot before we get into chapter two, what's happening again. I'm being redundant because I want you to hear this. Paul's evangelizing. He's, te- uh, uh, he's teaching and worshiping and struggling with the churches around the area. Uh, he wants to present the believers perfect. Amen. To God. And in chapter two, uh, he talks about another struggle. We went over those verses last, time, last week when are talking about, you know, he's, he's wanting to present the church there perfect before the Lord, amen? But in chapter two, there's another struggle. There's another fight going on, a deeper type of fight. He gives us a little bit, bit better of a picture of the conflict that he's dealing with. Those who are what we call the enemies of the gospel. And he does that by mentioning very positively What the Spirit leads Paul to do to combat what we would call the discouragement of this church. There is a weapon being aimed at this church. The weapon is called false teaching. A bunch of lies that people are believing that are getting in the way of Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Amen. So Colossians 2, 1 and 2, really quickly. Here we go. King James Version, Keisha. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. Now, I'm going to go a little bit out of order here. And I want you to kind of look at this a little differently today. We're going to go into the word Laodicea real quick. Keep your finger there and go into Revelation 3.14, New Living Translation. Revelation 3.14 through 19, New Living Translation. Laodicea is a church, and if you know anything about the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ gives a report card for the churches. Amen? And Laodicea is not a church that he's happy with. Amen? So Paul is saying, I want you to know the conflict that I have, and I'm going to go into that in just a minute, for the church at Colossae, and I want you to know the conflict that I have for the church at Laodicea, because they're very closely located to each other. They're not far from each other. The letter, even it says in Colossians, the fourth chapter, that this letter that Paul writes, he wants a Epaphras to pass this down to the church at Laodicea. So they have the same information, but very, very different results. Okay? So in Revelation 3.14, Jesus says this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. The leader, the pastor, bishop. All right? This is a message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Jesus says this about the church in Laodicea. I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. (laughs) But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. what's the problem he gives us a snapshot Jesus tells us what's happening here's something that's in the way of you being hot or cold verse 17 you say I am rich I have everything I want I don't need a thing and you don't realize that you are wretched miserable and poor and blind and naked verse 18 says so I advise you to buy some gold from me Gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments, so you, will be able to, uh, so you will not be ashamed of your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent, consistent, <laughs> and turn from your indifference. Laodicea was a very wealthy city. The city was known for its banks, its manufacturing, they had industry there, they made this rare black wool, and they had a medical school where the people there, they were having problems with their eyes, so in Laodicea, they had these doctors and nurses in medical school that came up with this really cool way of putting eye salve on your eyes so you can see, amen, to prevent diseases, amen, and the city also had a water supply a six mile long aqueduct, uh, aqueduct rather, that brought water in from the city from the south. Uh, so what ended up happening is that by the time the water arrived in the city, it wasn't cold from the stream anymore, it was lukewarm, nasty tasting. You know, you know just, yeah, 70 degree water. <laughs> yeah. Who wants that, right? On top of that, the city was the center of imperial cults. Uh, they were worshiping the God of healing. Uh, they also worshiped Zeus. There was a lot of things going on there. They were on again and off again in the church of Jesus. You know They were neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. What's the problem? They were too comfortable to be put in a place where they depended on Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. So, what ends up happening here, is they've got these medics, these doctors, these people who can heal folks. You know, they got all this industry there. They're very prosperous. Amen. They're famous for making eye salves. Amen. They, 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 need, they, they have no need for healing, they can kind of do it themselves. You know, they, they, they can take Jesus or leave Jesus. Didn't really matter. You know, the false teaching was that you could fix yourself there and 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 you you know that was the dominant thought there in, in this church and Jesus said in Revelation, I spew people out of my mouth that kind of sorta need me. Oh ah. eh. <laughs> too rich, too comfortable. So the problem here in this church, right next to Colossae, just to give you a picture of what's happening here, okay? The problem here in the church was self-sufficiency, which caused the believers to forget how much they needed Jesus, to forget the pure love and devotion for Jesus, to forget, you know, how much Jesus had done for them, to forget faith in, in the Savior of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we shouldn't complain Saints of God, when the Lord allows you to go through some things, amen? Uh, seemed like I was just getting out of trouble yesterday, and now I'm back in trouble today. Every time I turn around, there's something new I'm dealing with. One thing after another. I got out of this trial, now I'm in another trial. But before you complain, saints, just remember that it might be God himself. Allowing you to go through these situations, why? So you have no choice but to pray. No, oh. he's making sure that you need him. He's making sure that you realize how much trouble that you would be in. Uh, he's keeping your relationship with him uh, not in and out, but not sometimey, but consistent. Where you're, you know, in and out with God, and you don't know if you need Him today, and you don't think you need Him tomorrow, and then you get in trouble, and now you run to church. Nah, we got to stop doing that. God allowed the trouble so that you don't get lukewarm and comfortable and be in danger of being spit out. Some of the things you're going through is good for you. Oh, He allows circumstances and situations to keep you close to Him. So that you can declare if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I would be doing. I don't know who I would be with. I don't know what I would be leading on. I don't know how I got out of that situation last time, but it was nobody but the Lord. Ah. I called out to God and he rescued me. It was good that I was afflicted, that I might learn my statutes. Come on, somebody. He's taught me to stay close to him. He's trained me to stay hot. Ah, look warm. He's trained me to stay hot. So the trouble was good for me. So thank you for the doctor's report. You made me pray, God. <laughs> thank you for my marriage issue. You got me praying, God. Thank you for that child that keeps me on my knees. You got me praying, God. Thank you for the situation where I had to have the other saints pray because it was so bad I needed help. You got us praying, God. You got our attention. Self-sufficiency. Why am I going through all this? Because I love you. I'm allowing this to keep you close. I don't want you to think just because you got some things and some good things happened for you that you could just pick Jesus up and drop Jesus whenever you want to. That's not it. That's not it. So Laodicea had a self-sufficiency problem. But the Colossians had a self-sufficiency problem of another nature. Back to Colossians 2, 1, King James Version. First part. Paul says, <laughs> and I don't know how you're going to put this together, Lord, but this is what's here. I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. That word conflict, saints, is agon, agon, agon. agon. It means strife, contention. It's kind of like a contest for victory or mastery such as was used in the Greek games. Okay? Gladiators, you know, running, boxing, fighting, wrestling. Okay? Paul is having more than what we call an anxiety attack for this church. Okay? This is something that he feels in his bowels, in his lower stomach. You ever feel something that's like... "Mm." Something hits you, you hear some news, it's like, oh. You you can't really explain, you can't put it in words, you know, but the feeling is like this queasy, uneasy, you know, you're not at peace about something. You're wrestling, amen? Paul is having not a regular anxiety attack. He's in pain here. He can feel in his stomach because he's aware that some people in this baby church that has been started up. With the help of a that heard the gospel, he knows that they're in danger of apostasy. Anybody could leave the church because there's so much false teaching going on. There's lies going on. Amen. He's aware that some in the church, you know, could suffer a relapse of belief. Because they're coming from some stuff, y'all. You know, they ain't been in church all their life like the Jews. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I, I'm born in it. I was born in it. I was wearing, you know, Sunday dresses at nine. No, 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 not these people. These people were rapping and shooting and <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff. Cursing out, and, you know, drinking and you know, they saw all kinds of stuff. They grew up rough. They didn't have all the all the, the you know the perks. Oh, preach Holy Spirit. I hear what you're saying. I hear you talking to me. I hear you. So here's the thing, the apostasy and the lies were not because of sins of the flesh, David. That wasn't the issue. The issue that he's fighting over, the reason why he has this pain, this conflict in his stomach is because of the legalistic Jews. And the confusion from higher learning, the Gnosticism that came from pagan philosophy, the asceticism, which is severe, severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence in order to appease God. You know, he's, he's fighting against that. And all of that stuff comes to discourage them from simply trusting in Jesus Christ. Because all those things I just mentioned is basically you doing the work. Not God doing the work through you. Not being born again, but you're just becoming extremely self-disciplined in certain areas where you're not depending on God. You're depending on you. And Jesus is saying, well, if you're so self-sufficient, why would I die? <laughs> if you got this, why did I get up on the cross? If you're so amazing with your, with your religious uh, uh, purity rituals... Then, then what, what did I do all that for? <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. So what ends up happening is that the false teaching is infiltrating the church, and there is concern that some may drift away from trusting in Jesus and the thinking that they can grow into maturity by themselves. Amen? And then he says this. He says, he says, I, knew, I wish you knew what great conflict I have for you and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. This is what blew me away, saints. This church is not the normal setup in Colossae. Let me see if I can cut this time. Let's see. Yeah, you better hurry up. Because <laughs> you already preached. Let's get it done. All right. Acts 8, 1 and 2. New Living Translation says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Stephen, as you know, was murdered. He was martyred. Amen? And what that did is that caused a great persecution that happened. And the people who were comfortable in Jerusalem, in their nice little church where everybody's cool in the suburbs, <laughs> they got shook up. Because, <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, they're kill Stephen. And the people scattered. So the big church community that they had right there when they were all living together and sharing things, they had all things in common that we see in Acts, it got got disrupted. God did not want a a tower of Babel church in Jerusalem. He wanted them to spread out. Go out there and spread that gospel. So what ends up happening? Stephen gets killed. And they end up spreading the gospel. The people start going everywhere. Amen? And they start going into towns where the Jews are not. Amen? Amen? It's a, verse 4, the same chapter, uh, Acts uh, 1 and 2. So the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. And there was a guy by the name of Philip, for example. He went to the city of Samaria. You know, the Samarians, they ain't cool. Those are the half-breeds. Those are the kind of churchy folks, but not quite churchy folks. Those, <laughs> they ain't the same as me and you. You know what I'm saying? You know, They, they don't got into some other thing. They, their doctrine is funny. They don't understand Christ. They don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't do things the way we're supposed to do them. they They got some bad teaching there. They've drifted off. And all that's true. Okay? But, but the way we look at them is we don't identify with them. We don't go through Samaria. We, we go all the way around it. You see what I'm saying? So what, what happened is, is when they, verse uh, 14, uh, verse 5 says, Philip, for an example, went to the city of the, uh, Samaria and told the people about the Messiah. So he's preaching the gospel in a place where they never thought that the gospel would be preached. And then this is not, this is a regular way that it happened. Let me show you how, what happens. When the apostles, verse 14 says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. So, this is what typically happens. The gospel gets spread. And then the church sends in the big guns. And Peter and John go, all right, this looks like Jesus. <laughs> they take the church out. It's, it's apostle drive-by inspection. <laughs> you know, they're looking at the church, giving it the once-over. Okay? Go to Acts 11, same translation. Acts 11, verse 19 through 24. Acts 11, verse 19 through 24. I'm just showing you what, how the normal situation is. Watch this. Verse 19. When, meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, and Syria. And they preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers... Who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles. That's how we all got it. Okay? Are you following me, Donald? right? All right. About the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and large numbers of Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22 When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, uh oh, they sent Barnabas. Here's another big gun. Okay? They sent Barnabas to check out what's happening. In Antioch, because I heard they got this church, Barnabas, in the hood. And we're gonna need you to go check it out and make sure that what we what's going on over there looks like the real faith. Okay? It's not some offshoot, not some off brand. So they send in Barnabas. But Barnabas is an actual interesting character. Verse 24 says, Barnabas was a good man. Amen? Barnabas was filled with joy. Barnabas was a good man. He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Underline that word, encourage. and verse 23, I'm sorry. Verse 23, he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. And then verse 24 says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in the faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas has a nickname that you can see, I think it's in Acts, the second chapter. Uh, No, uh, yeah, Acts, the fourth chapter, where you see that Barnabas um, is called the son of encouragement. You know, that's his name. So they sent the right guy to come in and deal with these churches and find out where they are. Barnabas was also, if you don't remember this, Barnabas was also the guy that presented Saul before he was Paul to the church. Saul was going around murdering folks and putting, making threats. And Barnabas said, hold on, wait a minute. Jesus has done something Before we jump on this and jump to conclusions, I know this may not look like anything that we're used to, (laughs) but the Holy Spirit ought to have the ability to do whatever He wants to with His church. So here's the thing: we can go ahead and trust Barnabas because He is the—I mean, we can trust Saul because He's the real deal. Barnabas is an encourager, Amen. So here's the thing you got to know about this Antioch place, saints. Antioch was a horribly corrupt city. It was a center of worship for several pagan cults. They promoted sexual immorality. It was all kinds of forms of evil, pagan idolatry and religion. The city would now, that city is its church headquarters now. <laughs> God chooses a place like that and says, you know what? If we don't have church, let's put it where it needs to be. Woo! <laughs> Praise Holy Spirit. So God scattered them from Jerusalem to Samaria, to Cyprus, all the way down to the hood in Antioch. <laughs> uh, somebody getting this? God was saying, listen, church, y'all too comfortable. You're too self-sufficient. Uh-huh. You're going to have all your business meetings and all the stuff that you normally do, but I want you to really be a light. So I'm going to send you to a very, very dark place. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm going to send you to Antioch. Don't set up the church in these nice little places. He said, that's not, we're not going to start there. That's not what we're going to do. Put them in a place where the saints are going to be like, oh, it's crazy up in here. We better pray. And that's where I want you. That's where I want you. Put them in a place where they're going to depend on Jesus. Let them see the example of Barnabas. So they learn how to encourage because Barnabas bought and salt are you hearing what I'm saying? So they learn how to be encouraged. Some folks will talk about you and they won't pray. You can gotta make sure you send in the right person. You gotta make sure that when churches are getting started you send in the because listen, we don't know everything just yet. Give me a minute, I'm trying to get it together. So send in somebody who ain't gonna talk bad about you, who ain't gonna point, it's easy to point out everything that's wrong. It's another thing to look at them and say, well you know what? God is in control. We're just going to keep praying. We're just going to keep praying. I know it don't look like right just yet, but we're going to just keep praying. Hang on there just a minute. God is doing something. Don't snuff the fire out just yet. Ah, hang in there with me. So back to Colossians 2, 1 and 2. Come on, Holy Spirit. Colossians 2, 1 and 2. So uh, go, to, go to the second verse. Oh, no, 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 stay right, stay right there. Okay, for I would that they, that you knew the conflict, the battle that I'm in for you against all this false religion. Okay, and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. The regular setup is you start a church, you send in the big guns, they check it out, hopefully you get a Barnabas And things can flourish. But not every church starts like that. Evidently, there are many who never even saw Paul's face. Are you seeing that? What we have here is... Don't get ahead of yourself, Jimmy. Slow down. Yeah. What we have here, John... Edy, I believe is his name, or Edy. He says this. It was Paul's heart's desire that the gospel should be preserved in its purity and simplicity, free from all admixtures of Judaism, false philosophy, and asceticism. He knew that the introduction of false teaching would hamper salvation for sinners, hinder the diffusion of the word, the spreading of the word, and robbed the cross of its special adaptations to a lost world. Then he says something very key. He said, and Paul's affection was not wholly set upon churches where he had preached in person. He had little jealousies, no little jealousies, no favoritism, but he believed in all the believing communities. He didn't care what age the church was. He didn't care what place the church was in. He didn't care how the church got started, its origin. What he did is he immediately, whether he saw them or not, he believed the report and he found immediate sympathy and cooperation. The churches, which he had not visited in person, might scarcely be inclined to believe that he was really with them and might naturally imagine that their neighboring churches who had been honored by his actual presence would be a church that he had deeper affection for. And he's saying here, but the apostle seeks to dispel this illusion and he says in earnest exhortitude, for I wish you knew how much I was praying for you up here in this jail cell. I want you to know that even though I never got a chance to establish this church, I'm in here praying for you i'm doing some long distance praying for you i know you didn't get started the way that everybody else got started oh i wish somebody could hear me evidently the gospel message was outpacing the administration of the church are you hearing me people were getting saved they were hearing the truth and it didn't matter that everything wasn't tight just yet believe I believe I want to hang around some other believers I'm going to church that's what happened so the church is running behind the Holy Spirit trying to keep up (laughs) with what's going on and that's the way it should be it should never be that the Holy Spirit's got to run around us are you hearing me it should never be that the Holy Spirit's got to get authority and clearance for us from us (laughs) to do what he wants to do because that's how the flame gets burnt out or blown out in the church when we are actually not allowing God to do whatever he wants to do. Some things he may want to do may not necessarily be some things you would have ever thought of. He might set up some ministries and you'd be like, what is that? A, what a, it's 2022. God may do some things in some different ways, not another truth. But he ought to be free to do what he wants to do. So here's the thing. Church communities had fellowships, and they were being established quicker than the apostles could get to them. Amen? And this setup that we have here is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I know that God is with you. I know that you're saints. I know that you're faithful brethren. He's there to encourage them. Amen? Amen? He's there to encourage them. He's saying, I know that you're not some second-class church just because you were set up differently. I have news for you, TLC. We're not like everybody else. And we had a very different setup. We all came out of some stuff. But that doesn't make us God's unwanted stepchild. Are you hearing me? We may be different. The Holy Spirit must be allowed to run and start the church as he sees fit. The administration of the church must be set up behind what the Holy Spirit is doing. So, what is he saying, real quickly? He says, verse uh, two, Colossians one, uh, 2 and 1, uh, 2 and 2, rather. Colossians 2 and 2. He's praying for them. He's in jail, long distance, praying. What is he praying? He's praying that their hearts might be comforted. That word means encouraged. That word means confirmed. That word means strengthened. He wants them to be strengthened in what they believe. I want you to know that you know that you know that God is with you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. There are issues there. Just like on all the other churches, there were issues. There wasn't a church in the Bible that didn't have some kind of issue. The Philadelphia church was better than most. Amen? But as long as they had people in it, there were still issues. (laughs) Then he says this. I want you, i want praying that their hearts might be comforted and, and that they would be knit together in love. You see it? Knit together in love. If the saints were in the church and they were happy with each other, and they were in loving fellowship with one another, then he was thinking what would happen is that they would present a solid flank against the onslaughts of false teaching, the onslaughts of legalistic uh, measures, the onslaught of asceticism, the onslaught of pagan philosophy. How, you know, you got these people that come in with all this high-sounding nonsense. You know, know, that that sounds good, but it really don't make you any better than where you, when you were before you even got saved. <laughs> He's not doing anything for you. He said, I just want you to trust in Jesus. Learn about the love of God. Open up your Bible and know it for yourself. Search the scriptures. Be encouraged. Be, here's the thing. He wants you close and not distant. Here's the thing about John. John was not busy doing a bunch of other stuff. John was Jesus' best friend. What was John? He said he was leaning on the breast of Jesus. Leaning on the breast. What what happened? I can hear secrets when I'm close to him. I get revelation from Jesus when I'm close to him. (laughs) He tells me about myself. He encourages me. As long as I stay close to Jesus, (laughs) get in my word and stay in my prayer. He, He encourages me. He confirms me. He lets me know you belong to me. I belong to you. It's gonna be all right. Keep walking with me. I know I see some areas. I know I see some areas. But here's the point I want you to understand. If you don't know I love you, you'll never change. You'll never change. So he didn't tell them, what I need y'all to do is go get a degree in theology. He said, no. Learn how to love each other. Learn how to encourage each other. Learn how to lift each other up. Huh? Huh? Get your love walk together. Huh? Be confirmed in this truth. The Holy Spirit, if he's in you, he's got this. Amen? Amen. He wanted them to be people who understood the gospel. So here's the thing. Be united in love. Know, have the understanding of the mystery, you know, which is basically. And I'll go into this a little bit more next week. But focus on understanding the riches, as it says in verse 2 the full assurance of understanding of the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. It's basically they needed to focus on absorbing the truth that they were invited into this great movement that God had, this great salvation that God had. Amen? Understanding that they were invited and guaranteed that they would be with God, that they would have the same inheritance as the Jews did, that there was no difference. He said, study that. Know that. Know who you are. Grow in my love. Grow in what I provided for you. Grow in what I've already done for you. Grow in that. He said, because once you understand that, that'll cause you to function out of a place of assurance. Once you know this plan is of God, it's it's through Jesus Christ, of the Father and of Christ, once you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, once you know that you you are loved, once you know that you're a part of my church, a part of my family, once you understand that, then you will function from a place of insurance. And what that does is when the enemy comes and tries to tell you a bunch of lies, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. I know the truth. Too late. So here's the application. Long distance praying. There are people (laughs) that we want to be saved. Right? We got cousins, nieces, and nephews. Neighbors. Children. Huh? We want them to be saved. Family members. And maybe for some reason, there's been distance between you and them. Something was said. You can 't reach them no more. The relationship is broken. The bridge that was there is gone. Somebody blew it up. Something happened with Mom and Daddy 's wheel, or, you know, something happened at the picnic. Something happened, and things are severed, and they are on their way to hell, and you want them to be saved. <laughs> huh? But there's distance. you can't reach them there. They live far away now or. Maybe maybe they live in your house and you're far away. Huh? There's too much stuff, too much water under the bridge. The relationship is messed up. They can't hear you. Well, Paul was playing in jail. He was praying in jail. He's saying to us, don't give up. You can still fight for them. How, Pastor? Maybe the idea is that you shut your mouth in front of their face and you open your mouth to God. Maybe ideas. idea is, but wait a minute, you're not done with all your weapons? You can pray. You can do some long-distance praying <laughs> right where you are. It teaches us that we're not limited by space and time. It's not We're not limited by the presence of people. We can serve the Lord in the privacy of our rooms and on our knees. We can do service with God on our knees and our uh, excuse me, our effectiveness rather depends largely on what God can do, not what we can do. Our effectiveness as to whether or not we can reach that baby. You got these kids going to college. You know? They come from these church homes. I know. I'm one of them. I was out there on the road. All I employed as a musical director and a producer were church kids. <laughs> that was 99% of the people that walked through my office, my door. Are you following me? Okay? Jamie, I need a gig. I know you, you, you're the one that you hooked up with everybody. You can get us all, get us all paid. I need a gig. What church do you come from? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm Baptist, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Lutheran, I'm whatever, you know? You got these church kids. They come in. They leave the home. They've been taught. They understand the word. They don't know Jesus. And they go to school. They go to college. <laughs> and you get that feeling in your stomach. Ah, Come on, Holy Spirit. You get that, that, that feeling in your bowels. You go, oh, what is that? That's God telling you to pray. It's out of your hands now. There's too much distance now. Are you hearing me? You're at home. They're away in college. They're meeting up with philosophers and people and all this false teaching that's coming around them. It strips at the gospel that you taught them. Boy, you've been in church all your life. What you talking about? That sounds crazy. Careful. Watch what you say. Be led by the Spirit. Pray. God might have put some distance between you so you couldn't say something. huh? God might be like, listen, if you open up your mouth, you're going to mess this up. I know you love him, but you don't love him more than I do. I know that's your baby, but I, that's really my baby. That's my I loan them to you. You follow me? Don't say nothing. I put some distance there so you can learn how to pray. You got to do some long distance praying. You're not done fighting. Contend for those babies. Contend for those nieces and nephews. Huh? contend for that wayward son that you know, won't listen to you and won't hear, the Bible, won't hear the word of God won't read the Bible you're not done fighting that's okay I see you I see you I know what I'm going to do I know what I'm going to do are you hearing me you get on your knees and you pray that's what Paul was saying and then be like Barnabas be that encourager huh? be the son of encouragement I got six of them some of them know the Bible more than me. Their Bible be championships, and we got awards on our wall. And said, you know, "These kids ain't playing." And I feel that pain, that conflict. I know that when they leave my house, they're going to need nobody but the Holy Spirit Himself. And if I love on them, if I let them know that I appreciate them right where they are, and I see the stuff, but I don't freak out, (laughs) and I say, you know what? What I'm going to do you I'm going to pray. And I know God hears my prayers. And I'm going to expect a miracle in your heart. Huh? That's what it's about. Huh? Pastor, they ain't doing miracles nowadays. Yes, they are. You, you may not have, you know, had a, 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 your, your ear put back on after somebody chopped it off. You may not have had your leg, you know, extended after it got ran over. That may not be the miracle. But maybe the miracle is your calmness, your peace, your, your ability to stand. Maybe your miracle is how you respond to things. Maybe your miracle, maybe you're the light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Maybe we get perplexed. By Jesus in you, and how you calm down and say, it's okay. I'm just going to do some long-distance praying. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, Holy Spirit, you put that together. Oh, you put that together. Can me stand. Give me stand.